I'm so glad that you guys could make it in. Tune in to this week's wild card preview edition. I mean, it's going to be an electric weekend. I cannot wait for football. Uh, we It kicks off at 4.30 on Saturday with the Cincinnati Bengals playing the Raiders. We're going to preview all the games on this podcast. But first, we're going to start out with the people in the NFL that have the most pressure on them this weekend, right? And it's going to be so interesting to watch and see how these people react and how narratives take shape depending on the results of this weekend, right? So there's four of them, and we're going to go bottom up, four to one, and here we go. Number four on the list, Cliff Kingsbury. It's going to be really, really fun to watch the Monday night game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Rams. Why? Because it means so much for this Cardinals organization and mainly Cliff, okay? He was fired by Texas Tech. Why? Well, it was mainly because he faded down the stretch in every one of his seasons, okay? He ended up being 1-5 down the stretch, 2-6. and six. Well, what's, this, what's the thing that's happened in Arizona the last couple of years? The same exact thing, okay? Last year, I believe they finished something around 2-7. and seven. This year, they finished... Two and six. So this Arizona Cardinals team has faded down the stretch. They should have been the a- the NFC West champions. Okay, they should be hosting a playoff game right now. People were talking about them being a Super Bowl contender, a Super Bowl team, as late as like week eleven, week twelve, right? But because they have faded, it at the end of the day comes to the foot of Cliff Kingsbury, and if they can't get into the second round after all these expectations that built for them during the season this year, it would be somewhat of a failure, you know? If you had told me at the beginning of the year, hey, Arizona, you know, they made the playoffs as a wild card, they got beat in the first round, I'd say, hey, that's a pretty good year, like, let's 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 go on to the next, we're fine. But it's the way they got there. Starting undefeated, being the last undefeated team, being the number one seed, right? Then getting smoked by Green Bay on a Thursday night without Devontae Adams, okay? And the subsequent losses to the Rams and the Niners and the Seahawks, right? They played last week. They played to beat Seattle last week. And they let the Seahawks, who haven't been able to score all year, throw up 41 on them, okay? Now, as predicted on the Wednesday podcast, not going to say anything, but we predicted it. J.J. Watt is back, okay? So that's certainly going to help the Arizona defense because they were a top 10 defense when he was on the field weeks one through seven this year, and they have not been a very good defense since he's been off of it, okay? He's a really big run defender for them. So hopefully he can be, you know, 75% of what they expect him to be and positively contribute to the Arizona Cardinals. Number three on the list, Josh Allen. And you're going to say, Josh Allen? Why? He's got a big contract in Buffalo. They're not going to move on from him. That's all true, okay? But the expectations for the Bills coming into this year was to either be a Super Bowl champion or to make it to the Super Bowl, right? They made it to the AFC title game last year. They beat Kansas City. They framed their entire offseason around beating the Chiefs. And if you guys can't beat the Patriots, who have a rookie quarterback, who have not many weapons on the on the offense who have a young defense in the sense of not being there for a, a long time. If you can't beat this team, then how are you going to beat this team in the future where Mac is a second or third or fourth year player, when they actually get weapons around him, when the defense is cohesive and not 
adjunct like it's been in the last couple of weeks, right? So a lot of this falls on Josh Allen, okay? And he's played well against Belichick. He's had a couple 300-yard games, a couple four or five touchdown games. He's going to need to do that on Saturday night to be able to, you know, win this game in zero-degree weather. But at the end of the day, if they don't win it, the Bills are going to look at the, themselves in the mirror and say, well, this was this was our year. Now Josh is going to be the second-highest-paid player in the, in the league, right? Now we got to compete with the New England team that we didn't expect to be around for at least another two years, okay? It's no longer, oh, beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. It's now, oh, we got to beat New England. Oh, now we got to beat the Chargers and we got to beat the Bengals and we got to beat the Chiefs. There's roadblocks in the AFC, okay? In the future, at least. So you have to take advantage of this year. And the only way you can do that is by beating a team on your home soil, a division opponent that you've been, I believe, four and one over the last two years against. So it, three years, I apologize. Three years. Uh, so Josh Allen's a lot, a lot is riding on his shoulders this weekend, and it's going to be really fun to watch. Number two on the list, Mike McCarthy, right? And I say this because it's more of being pushed out the door by Kellen Moore, right? Kellen Moore is one of the hottest offensive coordinator candidates on the market right now, being interviewed all over the league for head coaching jobs, right? People want him. People know he's young. He's smart. He's only 33 years old. He'd be the youngest head coach hired since Sean McVay. Uh, people want him to run their organization. And you're going to say, okay, well, isn't that more pressure on Kellen to perform? No, it's on Mike McCarthy. Why? Because Mike McCarthy has had multiple time management issues over the course of the season. And if Dallas goes out, a team that is expected, even Jerry Jones said this week, championship or bust is expected to at least make the NFC championship game the furthest they would have ever made it in the last like 20 years. Okay. They are expected to do this and you get beat by a San Francisco 49ers team who is going back and forth on their quarterback and then you get beat at home in the wild card round, that's not a good look for Mike McCarthy. It's not a good look for a guy who's cost Dallas multiple wins this year, right? So if they go out and they lose because of a time management error, then how does Jerry Jones on Monday morning not sit there and say, you know what, we have one of the hottest coaching candidates in Kellen Moore. We also have a defensive coordinator who's getting interviewed out the wazoo as well in Dan Quinn. We could lose both of them, right? And then what are we left with? Mike McCarthy, the worst out of the three. So why don't we just fire McCarthy, move on, and just hire Kellen as the, as the head coach? That's what, there's going to be a lot of rumblings that say that. There's going to be a lot of questions that ask that if the Dallas Cowboys manage to lose on Sunday. The number one team person that's going to be on the hottest seat this weekend resides in Los Angeles. Matt Stafford and Sean McVay, frankly, the entire Rams organization. And this is the reason why, okay? Stafford's never won a playoff game, but they traded two first-round picks and a third-round pick and Jared Goff for Matt Stafford. Now, has it clearly been an upgrade? Yes, okay? Stafford can do things Goff can't even dream of doing, right? But if you get beat by a division opponent that you split the season series with at home, same similar to the Bills, right? where you get beat by them on a nationally televised game after giving up so much capital to get them, to not even get as far as Goff did last year in the divisional round with a broken hand, right? 
it's going to be a really bad look for the Rams, especially given the fact that they don't have a first-round pick until 2024. They're going to go eight years without having a first-round pick, right? There's no saving grace that's going to come in there and save the Los Angeles Rams anymore, right? You're stuck with Jalen Ramsey. You're stuck with Donald, Stafford, paying these big contracts, Cup, etc. A team that can clearly and certainly make it to the Super Bowl. But how much of a colossal loss of a season will it look like if they lose to the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night? So there's a ton riding on Sean McVay. There's a ton riding on Matthew Stafford to be able to win this game on Monday night, which I expect them to. Speaking of this, we're going to get into game previews coming up next. I'm going to give you every single game prediction, spread everything. We're going to keep track of it this year, and I can't wait. Let's go. So here we go, NFL playoff predictions, round one, wild card round, super wild card weekend, and we're going to start chronological order, as always, with the Raiders and the Bengals at 4.30 on Saturday afternoon. These teams played week 12 uh, earlier this year. The Bengals won 32-13, to okay? It was in Cincinnati, nothing that the Raiders aren't used to. Literally saw this team just a couple weeks ago, right? That score, 32-13, to sounds like a blowout from a Bengals standpoint. When it was a three-point game in the third quarter, at the end of the third quarter, right? Cincinnati caught a little fire at the end of the game, made the score seem a little bit more out of hand than it really was, right? This game is going to come down to, can the Cincinnati Bengals protect Joe Burrow, right? His splits between pressure and no pressure are drastic, okay? And... They haven't been able to protect him, especially since Riley Reef, one of their tackles, has went down. Reef played against the Raiders in this Week 12 matchup. I believe it was his last game of the season. And Max Crosby, the Raiders' defensive end, absolutely tore him up. He didn't have a sack, but he had like a super high pressure rate for not having a sack. It was like the highest ever. So I believe Max Crosby is going to be able to cause a little, little bit of havoc in the Cincinnati backfield. I think Cincinnati is going to have trouble a little bit moving the ball because they're not going to control the line of scrimmage. Um, but I do think they're going to win the game. Now, the line on this game is the Vegas is Vegas plus five and a half. Okay. I think that's the play just because I think it's going to be a close game. They're, it's going to come down to a possession, right? Possibly a game winning field goal in Cincinnati by Cincinnati. Uh, there's not supposed to be any weather this game. It's supposed to be cold. You know, it's Cincinnati in January. That's what you expect. But at the end of the day, Vegas has not been as explosive since Henry Ruggs left the offense, right? Since his his absolutely awful incident that happened on a on a speed on a strip, you know, at 3 a.m. in Vegas, right? Absolutely awful, horrific accident. But Derek Carr hasn't been the same quarterback. His average depth of target went from 9.2 to 7.8. Um, this team, obviously, you can't fix that. You know, within the season, they tried with Deshaun Jackson, but they're going to put up a fight. They're going to be able to cover the five and a half spread. Would not be surprised if they, you know, some fluky thing happened and they did win this game. But at the end of the day, I think Burrow has more moxie. I think the Bengals are in a good space right now. Mixon's healthy. Burrow's healthy. Chase is healthy. Um, This is a cover three team from a Vegas standpoint that's going to get torn up, I think, by Burrow and company, especially if they can get the needed protection that they uh, so desperately want. 
So at the end of the day, I'll take Cincinnati. I'll take Cincinnati narrowly, but Vegas plus five is the play. Next game on the docket. Game of the week. Absolute game of the week, in my opinion. Patriots, Bills, Saturday night, 815, Orchard Park, New York. It's going to be zero degrees, no 50-mile-an-hour winds this time. It's just going to feel like negative 11 for Mac Jones and company, who played, played in Florida, played in my area of Florida, went to Alabama, has never even sniffed what below 32 degrees is, and he's going to get a nice big dose of it on Saturday night. Uh, I think the Bills win this game. Uh, right now, New England is plus four and a half. I think that is the play. I think New England can, can keep it close. Um, it's going to be you know, a one and a half possession game, in my opinion. I think the Bills know how important it is to get out and get a lead on this Patriots team early. Why? It'll take New England out of their run-first oriented offense, right? The Bills have to do this. This is what they did in the in the second game in Foxborough. They jumped out to a 14-point lead. New England had to battle back. That's not what New England does. Okay, New England wants to run the ball, control the clock, let Mac throw dink and dunk passes down the field, and be able to somewhat salt the game away, right? Also, since Halloween, Mac Jones has been 65% completion percentage, 200 passing yards a game, and a 92 passer rating. Uh, really not that good in comparison to other quarterbacks. For example, Davis Mills had a 68 completion percentage, a uh, 100 passer rating, and threw for 231 yards a game. So overall, overall, Mac and the Patriots are on a one and four game skid. Uh, they haven't played well c- since coming out of the bye, and I think that's going to continue on Saturday night in Buffalo. That place is going to be rocking. It's the first home game that they've had as an AFC East champion in 25 years, right? Last year's COVID, they couldn't have as many people as they wanted. This year, it's going to be an absolutely packed stadium. I think the Bills are going to have the juice. I think that Josh Allen and company are going to be able to go out, score a lot of points early, Patriots backdoor cover late. But at the end of the day, Bills win, Bills move on, and here we go. Next game, Eagles, Tampa. Okay, Eagles are an eight and a half point underdog. They're getting the plus money. Um, I think they cover this plus money, and here's why: even though Philadelphia hasn't beaten a team with a winning record this year, they're zero and six. Right? They played this Tampa Bay team earlier this year. It, I believe it was like week four, week five, and afterwards, they had a complete philosophy change. They went from being a pass-first oriented offense, which is what Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, wanted, to a absolute run downhill first team okay that's what they want to do that's what they want to be Tampa we don't know if Levante David's going to play we don't know if Shaq Barrett's going to play there's some there's some players on this Tampa defense that are questionable as of this point which would which would play huge huge in the game against the Eagles and trying to stop the run right especially Levante David so I think eight and a half is way too many points, especially given the fact that it's supposed to be nasty in Tampa on Sunday. Uh, Wet, rain, windy. Who does that favor? It favors the team that can run the ball. Um, That's certainly the Eagles. That's what they want to do. They don't want to have the ball in the air. So even though I do believe Tampa will win this game, I would not be surprised if the Eagles can push them to the brink. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles have an upset. I mean, plus 310 on the money line right now. It's it's kind of worth it to me if you're a Birds fan, if you believe in the Eagles. Um, I think Brady will make one drive at the end of the game, and that's how the game will end. 
but I do think the Eagles can salt this one a little bit. Keep it close. Eight and a half is too many points. Give me the Eagles. Game of the week, Sunday afternoon. Here we go. San Francisco and Dallas in Dallas, 4.30 on Sunday afternoon. Uh, It's going to be probably the most watched game of the weekend. It's the only game that we haven't seen on this wildcard slate. Every other one have been repeat matchups. So San Francisco is getting three points against Dallas. And I love, love, love San Francisco. Give me San Francisco all day long. Here's why. Dallas hasn't played a really good run offense in six weeks, okay? They've played below the top 20 run offenses in the last six weeks. Every single one of them have been absolutely awful, okay? So Dallas, their rank of opponent just hasn't been good. San Francisco is a top 10 run offense in in this league, okay? They're going to control the clock, and at the end of the day, they're going to try to limit what Jimmy G does, okay? Even though they're in a dome, they know that if Jimmy has two turnovers, Dallas is probably going to win this game, okay? If they can just keep Jimmy away from those interceptions, those game-changing plays, just keep the ball in Debo Samuel's hands. Short, over-the-middle passes to George Kittle, right? If they can do that and do it on a consistent basis, I think San Francisco is going to be able to control the clock, beat this Dallas team, mainly because Dallas is not going to be able to put up the high-flying numbers that they want to. Dallas's offense has been shaky down the stretch. There's going to be a lot of questions asked about Mike McCarthy, and I also get the head coaching advantage. Speaking of Mike McCarthy, I get the head coaching advantage in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. So overall, give me the Niners. Love the Niners. I think they can win this game outright, and they will. Steelers Chiefs. Steelers plus 12 and a half. Okay. Um, not touching it. I would bet the Chiefs, if anything. I like the Chiefs. Uh, Big Ben came out, you know, tried to pull the whole rah-rah, no one believes in this card earlier this week. Thought it was really, really comical, really funny. Um, But at the end of the day, he's right. Uh, This Pittsburgh team shouldn't be in the playoffs. I am absolutely shocked that they are. I didn't have them in the playoffs in my preseason ranking. If Indianapolis could just beat Jacksonville, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Um, That's neither here nor there. But... They are. Okay, Kansas City didn't have Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey in the last uh, matchup with the Steelers, and they were up like 28 at halftime. Okay, so Kansas City is really just going to bludgeon Pittsburgh. I think the only way Pittsburgh can have or stand a chance in this game is if they get a couple Mahomes turnovers. T.J. Watt has to play out of his mind, um, and Najee Harris obviously has to play. He's been questionable all week. But... Kansas City minus 12.5, even though it's a gigantic spread. It's my least favorite bet of the week, mainly because of the spread. Um, but give me Kansas City. They're going to win this game no matter what. Uh, I would be shocked, absolutely gobsmacked, if Pittsburgh was able to upset Kansas City. Uh, I think the entire media would. It would just be an absolute Herculean effort by the Pittsburgh Steelers to do this. And that's why I like the Chiefs. Last game on the slate, Monday night. Right, Monday night football, first ever Monday night wild card football game. We're gonna watch Arizona go into LA and take on the Rams, a place where they've already won earlier this year. Give me the Rams minus four. Why? Um, I get the head coaching advantage, McVeigh versus Cliff Kingsbury. I think McVeigh runs laps around him. Um, this is the first game with JJ Watt back. We don't know how he's gonna play. I think he's gonna be a little bit out of shape, not ready to, you know, take on as many hits as he was earlier this season. Uh, so I don't think he's going to play a gigantic factor. Also, no DeAndre Hopkins in this game. He 
has not played Arizona has not played against the Rams without D Hop yet. Uh, so that means Jalen Ramsey can go and cover whoever they want, whether that's Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, whatever weapon that they decide is the main one for the Arizona Cardinals. You better believe Jalen Ramsey is going to be on that weapon. Um, Give me Stafford. Stafford's played up and down this week, but he has the highest second-half passer rating in the league this year. Uh, he's clutch when he needs to be, and I, I love that the fact that they're only getting four points against the Arizona, uh, Arizona Cardinals at home this week. I really think this could be somewhat of a blowout. Uh, LA's going to control this game, and we're going to go into the narrative next week about how can LA hand, hang with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after the Niners beat Dallas, right? So, recapping all the games this weekend. Vegas Raiders, plus 5.5. New England, plus 4.5. Eagles, plus 8.5. San Fran, money line, plus 3. Kansas City, minus 12.5. And and the Rams, minus 4. Those are my wildcard picks. Coming up next, the last segment of the week, we're going to go into who is it most likely to benefit in the entire league if they can win a Super Bowl. That's going to be really fun. Coming up next. So who are the people that are going to benefit the most from a Super Bowl championship this year? I'll tell you the top four right now. Here we go. Josh Allen, number four, right? Josh would not only, they'd probably put a statue outside Buffalo Stadium uh, if he was to win it. He'd be the first quarterback in the history of the long-tenured franchise to win a Super Bowl. Uh, He would also be able to make the case that he is the best quarterback in the league, right? He would have to beat Belichick and the the Patriots this weekend. He'd have to beat Mahomes next weekend, probably Burrow in the AFC Championship game, and then Rodgers and company in the Super Bowl. Being able to go on a run like that with the team he has around him, I think he would make a large claim that he is the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I definitely believe and would listen to the arguments being made that he would be. Number three, Bill Belichick right? Absolute inverse of Josh Allen in a sense, but if Bill Belichick can lead this Patriots team to a Super Bowl, it would do massive things for his legacy in comparison to Brady, right? He would be even on the entire Brady-Belichick scale, even though he has two more Super Bowls than Brady does at this, or one more Super Bowl at this moment, but assuming he wins the Super Bowl, he would have two more Super Bowls than Brady does. Don't forget those giant Super Bowls, guys defensive coordinator it counts okay so bringing a rookie quarterback bringing a team that was six and ten last year to a super turning him all the way around bring him to a super bowl beating josh allen beating mahomes beating joe burrow probably and then beating rogers i mean my goodness what a stretch that would do for belichick's legacy even though he's already the greatest coach of all time this is strictly in the entire brady belichick argument Number two, Aaron Rodgers, okay? And here's why, right? Right now, there's a big debate. There's a, you know, at least you can have the conversation of who's better, Favre or Rodgers, right? Favre, three MVPs, one Super Bowl appearance, one Super Bowl, right? Rodgers, he's going to win his fourth MVP from this year. He has one Super Bowl appearance, one Super Bowl win, right? Basically, the same as Favre as of this moment. I think Rodgers is better, but there's certainly people, I'm sure, that think Favre is better, okay? So getting another ring would propel him 
as probably the greatest quarterback in Green Bay Packers history. And probably you could make the argument of now who is three, four, five, six on the entire all-time quarterback debate chart, right? It would certainly go in the sense of Tom Brady, and then you'd have Montana, and then you have Peyton Manning, and then who's four? Is it Rodgers? Is it Elway? Is it Staubach? You know, is it Bradshaw, etc.? You can make that argument, especially if Rodgers has two rings, okay? And the last, but certainly not the least, person that would benefit from a Super Bowl this year, Matt Stafford, okay? You could make the case that he is an NFL Hall of Fame quarterback. He would be one and one in his time in LA, not as well as McVay would solidify himself as the youngest and probably brightest head coach in this league. He would finally get his well-deserved Super Bowl after after losing to New England a couple years ago. It would solidify the entire Jared Goff for Matt Stafford trade, and everything would be alive and well. I think you would see a cosmic shift in the NFL because of it. You would see teams making a lot bigger swings. Why? Because they would see the value in star players. They would see the value of an Aaron Donald, of a Jalen Ramsey, of a Matt Stafford on the team. You, I think you would see a mass of quarterback movement because teams would say, hey, all we need is one one quarterback, one piece, right? If you're Denver right now, how many first-round picks would you give up for Russell Wilson? How many first-round picks would you give up for Aaron Rodgers, right? Especially if you look around and say, hey, Matt Stafford just won the Super Bowl in one year, right? And they only gave up two first-round picks, right? So what's the cost of the Super Bowl? What's the cost of that quarterback, et cetera? I think it would be absolutely monumental for the NFL. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see a Bills-Rams Super Bowl as I predicted, and I will stick to it at the beginning of this year. And that's all we got, folks. So I appreciate you tuning in to this episode of the In the Fourth Podcast. I hope you have a great weekend. Watch some NFL football. Enjoy it. And I'll see you guys.